On today's episode of Scoreboard, we talk about how Australia has been dealing with the organization of Australian Open. We also talk about how the Brooklyn Nets fare without defense and who should they sign on the trade deadline. We have offside report and much more. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Scoreboard. We are in February, and you know what February is for? The love month. Yes, the love month. That is true. And Black History Month. (laughs) Yes, very important days. But in Australia, February, well, in 2021, is also for the Australian Open. That's true. It's it's coming up. (laughs) It has started already. Oh, nice. Australian Open usually happens in January, but because of a global pandemic that we have been dealing with for the yeah, last year, it's crazy. was was moved two weeks, ahead, uh, three weeks ahead of the scheduled time that it usually happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been a lot of controversy around Australian Open and the, the scheduling that the authorities have done. And it, I, I, I feel that this is a, a thing that everyone should know about, especially in the U.S., because it has not been covered enough by the global media. So let me tell you a little bit about it. In okay. early January, more than 17,000 players, staff, and others tied to the Grand Slam were flown into Australia on chartered flights. So everyone around the world, from the U.S., from Europe, from U.K., from Asia, from South America, they had chartered flights that flew them in. Including the staff, they not just the them? players. They didn't test them before they got They're, on the flight. So they, they, I think they, they. So you have to get tested first, and then you get once you once you get in the in Australia, and then you have to get tested again. Okay. And then you, so once you reach there, you go into a quarantine. But the controversy, the first controversy, is that unlike other returning travelers who stay full time in their hotel rooms. Players were allowed out of their rooms for five hours a day to practice on court and exercise. Oh, okay. All right. The contamination. <laughs> and Aust- yeah. And Australia has not had a single COVID case for the last two weeks before the players started coming in. Oh. There has been no community transmission case. But <laughs> a smaller group. So once they started coming in, a smaller group out of the 1,700 people that came in a smaller group of 72 players who were fully confined to their rooms in Melbourne because coronavirus cases were discovered in the flights so the oh, people who wow. were traveling in the so, so it contained 72 players and as of January 29th eight cases have been linked to the event so far including Spanish player Paula Badosa mm. don't Andy Murray uh Andy Murray got covid yes so and he has been out yeah yep he's been missing too from so it, it not just not just this because when they were coming in uh, to Australia the world number one Novak Djokovic mm-hmm. wa- uh, was not happy with the restrictions and COVID protocols in Australia and, and then, we all know what yeah. <laughs> Novak did last year. I was, to say, I was like, did he, he get COVID? Uh, he got COVID. He, he got COVID because he was part of the super spreader event in July, right, in t- 2020. And I, I mean, it's, it just boggles me that when people don't take it serious. Yeah, yeah. But anyways. and allegedly, 
Mm-hmm. Allegedly, he is an anti-vaxer. So oh yeah, that's yet to be confirmed, but allegedly, that's what is going on. But he, so he, when he came into Australia, he was like, "This is not fair. This is like I live like a king in Serbia, and I cannot live in captivity for fourteen days." Then go back. <laughs> yeah. So he had some officially. He sent some demands to the Australia to the authorities in Australia, which required fitness and training material in all rooms, decent food, reduce the days of isolation for the players, permission to visit your coach or physical trainer, and move as many players possible to private houses with fully equipped gym and a private court to train. I mean, they're doing a lot. I feel like. If the Australian Open took the the path how the NBA did a bubble, I don't think it would have been this bad with the spread of COVID cases. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think they thought that... So, I think Australian... A credit to the Aussies, mm-hmm. the people of Australia, for following COVID protocols, for wearing masks yeah. and everything, all that nature, so that like they were able to keep the cases and count low. And it was relatively successful, the lockdowns and all. But I obviously, as you said, like a thing like this cannot happen without being in the bubble because not everyone is from Australia. Like, yeah. People are coming from around the world and they some people don't believe in COVID and some people don't wear masks and all that stuff. So This would have been so perfect because if you put them in, in the bubble, some uh, quarantine area and have them, you know, stay for... Two weeks, you got to be like hiding for two weeks. Yeah, right. Then come right. out. I don't think it'd have been this bad. Yep, that's true. So now the players who got tested positive, they have to stay in quarantine mm-hmm. until three days before the tournament starts. So, <laughs> so, oh my gosh, this is so discombobulated. So they're gonna yeah. lose on so much. Look how much money they're gonna be losing because it's an individual they're sport. Lose. Yeah. Yep. And this this is so the uh, authority, so like a lot of Aussie fans, uh, they said that like it shouldn't happen right now mm-hmm. because they were not happy with what's going on. But the tennis authorities in Australia say that if they move the Australian Open to somewhere else where the restrictions are lesser, like, for example, you know, the US, <laughs> I guess, or somewhere else in, in Asia, somewhere in Singapore or stuff like that, they believe that they will lose the Australian Open as a Grand Slam forever. No. So that's <laughs> it's capitalism. Everybody wants money. I feel like yeah. the, if you want the the well being of your athletes, you could push it or hold it until everything gets better. Or if not, yeah, get into a you know, like I say, something extreme like the bubble. If you want to take yeah. care of your players, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Hopefully, um, there are no more cases and the game can progress. Yeah. Uh, before we move on. Uh, your predictions, Jane, for, uh, for women's Open? and men's Australian Open. Winners. I think yes. it's gonna be a comeback year for Serena Williams. Uh, for some reason, people say it every year, but I believe it. I'm a little biased towards her, you know, because she's from California. Yeah. And for the men, I don't have one for the men, but you know, I'm always rooting for the underdog. So I'm gonna go with if he could somehow cure himself in some weeks. I'm gonna go with Andy Murray. Somehow. Oh, I think he's going to be out. That's he's what I said somehow. Out, yeah. That's what I said somehow, <laughs> man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no. I think, I mean, I'm going to go with the with the boring ones, Djokovic, and I'm going to say, uh, I would say Ash Barty can win it. 
okay. in the female. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully it's a fun tournament. All right, moving on to the NBA. Ooh. I got one. All right. Can the Nets yeah. get out of the East with the lack of defense? Ooh. What's this your thought a, on that? This is a hot topic. It is. This is this is an unspoken rule that you've broken. No one talks about the Nets' defense. Come on. Because they don't have defense. I think it's important yeah. that everybody talks about it. We talk about the <laughs> offense so much, which is great, by the way. But they defense, yeah. they're very bad. Speaking of defense, the last game they played recently was against the Wizards. They were up by six points with, I think, like 48 seconds left on the clock. Six points in the lead, okay. and they lost it to the Wizards. Yep. They have no big I man. I remember the sequence. Yeah. <laughs> they have they have a, a big man, ex-Clipper. He is washed, some say. You talking about DeAndre Jordan, who don't have a post yeah. move, who don't have a jump shot, <laughs> yeah. who gets in foul yeah. troubles? That guy? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they do not. I think. I mean, that's what you get, I guess. Like they gave up their bench for uh, Harden, so they have no depth. It's yeah. Jared Allen would have been oh, very phenomenal in this team. Yes, he yeah. might not score, but he could grab those rebounds, and he's a good defensive oh, yeah. player, and he protects the rim. He, he yeah. And I, and I'll say another thing is uh, besides DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green. He's not really that much of a defensive a threat. But they play him he's at center. He's also a four. They yeah, play. yeah, he plays five. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not a defensive threat to nobody. Yep. So my And another thing I would say that with the Nets, they have a hard problem not getting other players involved. A lot of them just stand around and just watch three people take over. Yeah. I think it was really interesting. I was watching the Clippers-Nets game mm-hmm. uh, this last week, and I think... Uh, I I listened to Paul George press conference and the Clippers lost in a close one, mm-hmm. uh, and I th- I thought that what it was like really interesting what he said which I, I agree with is what he, he was saying it in a different way that like Nets basically took turns like the three superstars took turns to score on them and it was disrespectful and how the Clippers should not let them happen and all that mm-hmm. but on a different like from a from an outsider's point of view i feel that that's what they have been doing and, and they have been relying on scoring they're like okay if you score 120 we're going to score 130 on you so with with that kind of approach when you have basically three iso players essentially playing and you know like trying to score one on another there's no like defensive sets that you're going to run on in practice at all so mm-hmm. obviously like there's no defense that are going to show up on court as well i agree uh you see kd he just no show on defense he he's let me not say that he's not that great on defense he and Bro, he don't not. move you said what <laughs> he doesn't move that quickly also you know the Achilles injury so his lateral move is not that sharp like it used to be then James Harden, you know, I don't know if he's still on his diet, but he's still a little bit slow. <laughs> no, like, honestly, like, when he leaves yeah. to the fourth quarter, it's like you could tell he's running on a lot of energy. He's running low. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that is also partially because James Harden has been the point guard. Mm-hmm. He has been running the show for Nets so far, which I, I think is a good idea, you know, making Kyrie play off ball as a two. Uh I think Kyrie is the best closer in NBA right now, and which okay. we can talk about on a different day. Who else would you say, by the way? I would give it a KD. Is, I would give it a KD in the last moment. Uh, 
Yeah, Kyrie I mean, did I too don't, much dribbling. I, it's too much dribbling. So the other I want to see KD close a game when there is a defensive anchor playing against him. Someone okay. like Embiid, someone like AD guarding him, someone like Giannis guarding him. Oh, That's so. when I, I would, yeah. Like I, beating the Washington Wizards or with Robin Lopez as the, <laughs> as, <laughs> as the defensive guy, uh-huh. I don't know if that would count as, you know, closing a game so far. And the games that he has closed, he had Steph and Clay playing against, uh, alongside him. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I it's it's interesting. I can I can make a case for Kyrie being the best closer. But and coming back to the thing, I think that Steve Nash is. I'm a little disappointed in Steve Nash as well in terms of like running the defense and all. It seems like he also. Well, is the Daytona effect? The Tony effect. Daytona. Uh, but they, he's the head coach, though. Still, Steve Nash is the head coach. Still, the Daytona <laughs> effect. He's only known for offense. His defense is not that great. We've seen it last year. We've seen it with the other teams. Yeah, yeah. His off his defense is very terrible because he relies on players to shoot, shoot, shoot. If you outshoot the team yeah. and your defense is weak, you'll still probably win the game. You can win one game in the pre uh, in the regular season, but you cannot win a seven game series. No, I think in against a team like the Lakers, the best defensive team in the league. Man, where, yeah. I would say this. I would add to this. What changes should they make to their roster? They did add Iman Shepard to their roster. Right. I don't know what that's going to do, but yeah. I I don't think they can... They need... They need a rim protector, first mm-hmm. and foremost. They... Like, I think the game on 18th of this month with the Lakers will show a lot of the holes in their team. Mm-hmm. Like, when... like. AD will, in my opinion, AD is going to be hard for them to contain in that game. I think even Montrez Harrell, who is a monster in the post, in the offense, he's going to be really... Like, uh, Kevin Durant is going to probably guard Harrell. And that is going to be a fun matchup because Harrell has good post movement and in the... Not good in terms of, like, the post moves, but in terms of, like, taking the offensive rebound and putting them back. And all Harrell is pretty good at that. Okay. And Jeff Green has been weak in that department. Very. The rebounding has been awful. So, and KD somehow guards threes and plays four in the offense, which I guess it can work. But against the the Lakers, three is LeBron and four is AD. So pick your poison. Who are you guarding? Man. (laughs) And you got, and the Lakers bench. Caruso could come in and just be a a peasant. Right. Yeah. Caruso, I was assuming, is probably going to guard either Kyrie or James Harden or, you know, like KCP and Caruso and like all, they'll probably be guarding those. But that's what, that's like one of the matchups I'm looking forward to. Like who will KD guard against the Lakers? Is it going to be LeBron or is it going to be AD? Hmm. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun match. But it, it will, I feel like this game is a preview to what to expect coming to the playoff season. And this does become the matchup. The Lakers could yeah. prepare or what they need to do, but also the Lakers need a, a big man because the sloth you call Pau Gasol, <laughs> I mean Marc Gasol, he's too slow. I think he only averaged what, 16 minutes per game because they take him out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, he gets into foul trouble as well, so that's partially because of that. When he has you're been slow, playing like you gotta you gotta foul someone. <laughs> <laughs> I think it it 
he it i i know that is his his performance compared to what we had last year in Dwight Howard and Joel McGee is not the same but i think as lakers fans we have to realize that it's a different team it's a different setup it's not like the strategy the the defensive lineup the offensive sets this it's all different this year like yes if you th- compare gasol with howard and and mcgee and then you think oh he doesn't have the verticality and athleticism and that's a fair point he doesn't mm-hmm. but that's not what he is for he's just a body for a big guy like jokic and embiid on and the offensive side on the offensive side to pass mm-hmm. and that's it on the defensive side if you see like ad does most of the rim protection yeah even right now it's not gasol and that might be i was thinking about that it ad has not been playing well compared to last season and that might be one of the reasons is because like he has to pick up that rim protection responsibility on the defensive end that he did not do last year and that's one of the reasons why he does not prefer to play as a five like that's ad a has take. said a lot of times mm-hmm. yeah so it's like a trade off lakers got a lot lot more a lot better on the offense because of getting all these pieces around but obviously we lost some rim protection in that as well man just well we are in the trading season it's february so if the lakers could trade some people to get uh, a defensive presence it'll be it'll be nice i i, I don't think anyone is available jerry allen <clears throat> Jared Allen. Allen, you said? Yeah. The Lakers can make for a trade. For whom? Who's, who's gonna, they get, who Bye, are they going to give up for him? Bye. Caruso. THT? Yeah, it's been swell. I love you. But to get a defensive presence. If you, if you, so wait, what are you, what's your trade? Show, tell me your, your the, the uh, Cavs, thing. The Cavs, the Cavs have like three centers. McGee, Cavs German. Are, I don't think, Cavs are not looking to give up Jared Allen. They just got, they're looking to move Andrew Drummond. That's what they're trying to move. Oh, the Lakers ain't going. Never mind. Yeah. The Lakers ain't going to give up that much yeah. for him. They just got Jared Allen. They're not going to move him away right now. They just like they they wanted to get Jared Allen out of. They 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 said they don't want Karis Levert. They want Jared Allen. So they like mm. want him. Wow. Well, but for me, I prefer the Lakers get a a big man before the end of the trail deadline. Yeah, I know the Brooklyn Nets are trying to get McGee. So that can be a good move on their end. But they if you need... do get McGee, you're still going to be slightly weak because he's a he's a liability on the offensive side. I would I would say that he can be better than Jordan in okay. a way that with I think McGee and Harden can do a good job in terms of like the post game. Because okay. if you have noticed, like, McGee has picked up his dribbling skills this season a lot and, like, playmaking skills. So I think he is, he is modernizing himself towards, like, playing more in the play, pick and rolls and, you know, like, getting more involved in the offensive sets as well. And not just being in, like, one static position under, like, in the low post area and, like, just trying to, like, take lobs and putting them back in. Mm-hmm. So, and I think McGee is a, is a decent... I wouldn't say he's like a break the board sort of rebound player, but he is a good, he's a decent rebounder. Like he can rebound. Yeah, he's a threat. He's a threat. But I'm just saying like, I don't feel like he would be this, it'll make a difference with McGee, in my opinion. Really? You you think it won't make it better? A little bit better? I feel like if it was more of like Dwight Howard, I'll say yes. Because Dwight Howard 
on both ends is pr- slightly better than McGee. But I know yeah. that Philly's not giving up Dwight Howard. Yeah. Philly's yeah, Philly has a mm-hmm. they have a they have a good team going on there. So I think they're set. Yeah, I, I I kind of disagree on that front that I don't think Lakers will make any move. I think the hottest free agent, not a free agent, sorry, a hottest trade available in this uh, uh, this until the deadline would be Bradley Beal if someone picks him up. Okay. Uh, but Bra- he said that he's, he's not, not willing to move. So He's loyal. Yeah. Which, I guess, if you... <laughs> yeah. It's that contract. <laughs> hey, if a team pays you that much, it's just like, okay, I owe yeah. it to the city. Let me try. I mean, James Harden did leave fifty thousand, uh, fifty million. On James Harden is a different case, table. honestly. <laughs> Bradley Beal was drafted to this team, so he worked his way up to where he is right now. I think right. it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. So who would you add in the Nets if you had to choose one for their team? If it was like anyone, Drummond would be the best fit for the the Nets. But realistically, feel- though, not. Not anyone. Like, you have to think of what they, they have to give up for someone. Hmm. Like, Real, giving okay, up assets. Okay, doing realistically? Yeah. It's like almost all the centers are injured this year. The only one that's... Then it would have to be McGee. I yeah, think they, see? see yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, okay. Because Philly's not going to get Dwight Howard and mostly yeah. the big men are set in their teams right now and the second string centers are mostly injured. McGee's the only one. That's crazy. Yeah, McGee's the only one. <laughs> McGee's a hot, yeah. hot asset right now. He's the only one right now. So that would be... With with McGee, I mean, McGee does bring championship experience as well. So you you know... There's that veteran presence as well that helps the locker room. It's not just like the on-court stuff. Yeah, I agree. Like, Because even, yeah. even with the Lakers, he didn't do much when it came to playoff-wise. He was still that value teammate, hyping his team up right. and just getting involved. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He He's a, like a multi-time champion. So, I think that is... It's 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 very rare that we we both agree on something, but we somehow agree on JaVale McGee helping the Nets. That's crazy. <laughs> it won't happen again, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh I last last in the last episode we did short clock. Mm-hmm. And I thought this time, how why not close with some some lesser known stories around the sports world that are not covered enough you know which we call as offside report so what do you got for us Jane? i got two good stories i'm start with this one trailblazer brianna daniels and brianna o'lear are the first women duo to pit the same team at the daytona 500 and brianna daniels is the first african-american woman to become a nascar pit crew member Oh, wow. Yep. That's awesome. Trailblazers. I love it. We out here winning. And, and I mean, NASCAR is like the, the cap, you know, the, the, the national sport for KKK. So, <laughs> And on top of that, it's a very <laughs> heavy male dominant field. Yeah. Like women right. are not there to participate in anything besides bring their husbands there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope they don't find a... 
the the thing that they found in oh, the news uh the news yeah <laughs> thing but yeah it's a good 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 for her man good right. for the sport what's your story hopefully it's all good and safe what what else what else do you have i have um nas hillman she is the big 10 player of the week three times in a row she holds mm. Michigan State history scoring 50 points in a game, becoming the first NCAA D1 player not for men and women. Be- oh. Uh, yeah. Yep. Cool. She averaged, she had 15 points, 50 points, 15 rebounds, and this never happened since January 2003. Her tw- cool. Uh, she made 20 made field goals, set the Big Ten record for the conference game. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm telling you, we, awesome. we women out here winning make young men look sad. <laughs> she probably has the case then for the greatest performance of all time. Like, I think people think Kareem is the best, like, college player ever. Mm-hmm. But, But the, it's yeah. just, I think it's so cool because when you think of the Big Ten, they mostly don't really talk about women. For her to be yeah. the first play athlete, ev- the first athlete ever, I think it's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Women making history. I My two stories, one of the stories that I have also has a women making history and breaking this, you know, barriers. Okay. So on Sunday, Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be the first team to the the first team to play the Super Bowl in their own stadium. But we there there was another history made. Sarah Thomas made history being the first female NFL official in a Super Bowl game. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, so, you know, in the crew of eight officials, she was was the down judge and first of many, hopefully, in the future. (laughs) Man, we out here. I love it. The flavor. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) What's your next story? Also, this was a little bit of a crazy one. So Liverpool forward Diego Jota, who has not played since December 9th, and Liverpool in his absence has been has won four games out of the 13 that they have played. Oh. Diego Jota is right now ranked number one in FIFA on PlayStation in the FIFA Ultimate Team. I know he's in the that. world. I know he's sitting back like, damn, <laughs> I wish this was me in real life. Yeah. His record in the last uh, uh ultimate team was 30 nil 3 0 who did he play his cousin <laughs> he played some randos it's it's a hard game man I, i'm telling you i it's, believe I, it it's, it's really hard <laughs> when people score two goals on me i turn it off i, I do that rage quit i rage quit <laughs> you rage quit yeah yeah don't don't be on twitch don't make an account but that's yeah it's good that I guess some Liverpool Liverpool players can win at least somewhere, if not Ooh, on the, the field. That was shade. That was shade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This was fun. I love it. Fun. Jane, yeah. I'm I will see you in two weeks. Awesome. See ya. All right. Take care.